The Senate this week will continue debating the so-called CHIPS bill that would heavily subsidize the semiconductor industry, but the bill has grown from amendments, and the National Science Foundation and the Commerce Department would get tens of billions of new dollars. Here with this and what else to expect on Capitol Hill this week, Bloomberg Government Deputy News Director Lauren Duggan. And Lauren, let's start with that bill. Uh, I guess the Mm -hmm. amendments came from Republicans and Democrats via Chuck Schumer that sort of quadruples the spending under this bill. That's right. So this bill is a piece of what was the China competition legislation that had passed both the House and the Senate. Broad sweeping legislation was part of a House-Senate conference committee that more or less stalled out a few weeks ago. Um, And there was an effort to revive one of the key pieces of it, and that was the $50 billion or so inappropriated funding for semiconductor production in the U.S. Um, Most of that money would be going to the Commerce Department, but there's some other pools of money as well that will help DOD and and everything. So that was where they started when they talked about doing just the CHIPS portion of that China legislation. What we have now is what's being called CHIPS Plus by many people. It's CHIPS Plus this package of science and energy funding that had been negotiated in the past by the Senate and was at the heart of sort of their initial version of what became the China competition bill. So, you know, this bill broadened and then shrank and then got a little broader again. So what we have is a thousand plus page bill that has direct funding for this chips production a tax credit for semiconductor production as well and then authorizations over many years for nsf nist the energy department and other research programs so that's not money that will flow today but by setting up these authorizations and as they write appropriations bills in the future that money will start to flow out so it's it's a big bill it's i think a win that a number of democrats and republicans will take it had some bipartisan support in the procedural votes last week and we should see that again i would imagine this week as they try to wrap that up in the senate kick it to the house and the house may try to do that before they leave as well so by the end of this week we could could see that legislation on its way to President Biden and a win that he wants as well and will undoubtedly tout. Interesting. I guess, well, that could be a good sell with the public if they don't know the details that, oh, good, we can't get cars because there's no chips. This helps the chip industry. Right. I mean, the chips are in everything now, right? Um, and even refrigerators and cars and everything else under the sun. So getting this production going is going to be important now. It might not happen right away, but there was some concern that if this bill didn't start getting wrapped up and this money didn't start flowing at some point, that some of the plans that companies had to build factories might be called back. So um, that was one of the emphasis behind people trying to get this through as soon as possible and certainly before they left for the August recess. All right. And then in other matters on the Hill, there is a bill for the burn pit issue for veterans that's been smoldering for a long time with Veterans Affairs. What would the legislation do? So this would make it easier for people who were exposed overseas to burn pits or other toxins, um, not just from the most recent conflicts, but there's also provisions even going back to the Vietnam era. But the idea here is let's make more veterans have access to some of the benefits, including disability and health care that are available. This legislation has bipartisan support. It's actually been passed by the House and Senate with nearly identical language in the past, but this one issue with tax language that got inserted by the Senate had to be addressed before they could do it. So it's it's kind of come down to just floor time at this point to get it across the line. There's broad bipartisan support. Um, John Tester and Jerry Moran, who are the Democrat and Republican in charge of Veterans Affairs in the Senate, both back it. I would expect when they can get it to the floor, have this vote, it should also be on its way to President Biden's desk. Um, this is a bill that's gotten a lot of 
attention to from John Stewart, who made it one of his top issues um, in recent years. We also saw him have success with 9-11 issues in the past, but he turned to this ver veterans burn pits issue and has been on the Hill many times pushing for it. So um, that should be done as well this week. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, Deputy News Director at Bloomberg Government and a hodgepodge in the House this week. That's right. It's When you get towards one of these recesses, especially in election years, it feels like they're clearing out the cupboards of a lot of things that don't seem to go together. That's sort of the way it is this week. Um, a lot of bills that are important, some bipartisan, some will be big for individual members. Um, we're going to see action this week on a 500 and some odd page wildfire bill that would authorize funding for wildfires, um, change some of the pay rules for the people hired by Interior and Agriculture to take care of fires on um, particularly Western land. But, you know, it's looking at fires around the country. There's a bill that Mike Quigley has introduced. It's come up before to regulate big cats, lions and tigers and who can own them, which is a big issue that came up in Tiger King, the series you'll remember from early in the pandemic on Netflix. One of the main people in that, Carol Baskin, has been advocating for that bill. We'll likely see a vote on that this week as well. Um, and then, you know, anything else that they can get over the line before they leave for their break, which is scheduled to start this Friday in the House. Um, we'll see if they stick to that, if they're something to stick around for, something to come back for, maybe they will. But there's a lot of bills they're going to try to tackle in the four days that they're scheduled to be here this week. And I guess outside of the federal bureaucratic issue concern, NATO is on the burner these days because of what's been going on with Russia and Ukraine. That's right. The treaty that would allow Finland and Sweden to join NATO has to be agreed to by all the member countries. Um, that is pending before the Senate after the Foreign Relations Committee approved it last week. There's a lot of bipartisan interest in doing that. I think that's another one of those, can they get it to the floor and get the time? But I think we'll see a broad bipartisan vote in support of adding those two countries to the alliance. Um, they haven't been in it. And with things going on, as you say, with Russia and Ukraine, they have great interest in joining. And I think the Senate will support that. All right. And I guess we have to ask every week, what about budget for 2023, the plain old garden variety appropriations? Right. Well, we saw the House pass six bills in one package last week, which is half of the dozen that have to be passed every year. Um, there's six more pending. Not clear that we'll see votes on those before they leave for their August recess. The Senate Appropriations Committee hasn't reported anything yet. Maybe we'll see some draft bills before the end of July, before they leave for recess that are kind of their points in negotiation. Um, but still hanging over it all is there's no agreement on how much to spend in total. Makes it hard to figure out how to spend that individually across the 12 bills. So a lot to go. CR talk will definitely heat up um, at some point here and certainly when they come back in September, given that September 30th isn't that far away. And I guess the final hanging thing is the National Defense Authorization Act passed the House. What is the Senate status? The Senate's bill is ready to be taken up at some point. It's been reported out by the committee. It's there. Um, again, floor time is always difficult, and that can take a lot of floor time depending on what agreement they can reach on amendments. We might see that, I think, come up more likely in September than now, but that'll be one of the priorities to wrap up by the end of the year if they can, because it's been some 60-plus years that they've done that, and no one wants to be the armed services chairman that doesn't get that done. Lauren Duggan is deputy news director at Bloomberg Government. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. And we'll post this interview at Federal News network.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration, and over the next 40 years, Angie 
steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the chief human capital officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader? And what about them inspired you? you know, I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, I, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League play- baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a wad of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, Uh, whether you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. And, and, and he was just really honest with me and he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was, I think, my inspiration for going on to, I hope, become the leader, um, you know, that, that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood. And I, and I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind, that, that what we say and do, admit, especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style? And, and how has that developed over time? I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards 
two different administrations. You founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2 a Social Security Administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. It's, that's That was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney. But, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the Social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office, and lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, from there, I went to the Department of Defense, and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a, a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership, because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating. Um, you know, from hi historical to current uh, current times, I just, it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.